And I'd like for you to open your Bibles this morning uh, to the book of Matthew. We're going to look at uh, chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2, and we will begin with verse 1. Matthew 2, verse 1. When you have it, say, I have it. That's three of you. (laughs) If you don't have it in your lap, you have it on the screen, right? So when you have it, say, I have it. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Now, I want you to notice the phrase, the days of Herod. Those were not good days. Those were difficult days. They were very oppressive days. And even now, We live in days that are abundant with bad news, tragedies, and discord. But I want to encourage you this morning to refuse to allow current events to drown out the joy of Christ, the Anointed One. Just purpose in your heart that you are going to stay focused on Him even in the midst of what's going on currently. Now, there were only three wise men that tradition says, but most likely there were probably a great company of them. The order of the magi, the wise men, what they were instructed to do was to wait for the Messiah throughout all generations They would keep their heart and their minds on the coming of the Messiah. And in verse 2 it says, They said, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we are come to worship him. These wise men started out on a journey of hope. The star that they saw in the sky represented to them something greater than themselves. Something good was about to happen. And what it did is it set them on a course. It sent them on a journey of expectation and a journey of hope. It was a huge trip. It was 972 miles from Persia where they were which is modern-day Iran, from Tehran today to Bethlehem, it's 972 miles, and that is without a Mercedes. They had donkeys, and they had camels, and they loaded them down. This was not a day trip to Half Moon Bay. They were on a journey. They were on a trek. Why is that? Because they saw something and they had something in their heart. And when you have something in your heart, when God places hope, when God places vision in your spirit, follow it. Don't give up. Keep moving because it is well worth the journey because God, the God of hope, will make himself known to you. Oh, praise God. 
You see, what they did is they saw something that they had never seen before. And they headed out in a direction to where they had never been before. And that is so important for you and I to remember. When God puts hope in our heart, when He gives us vision, oftentimes people around us will not understand it. And they will say, why are you so optimistic about the future? There's been COVID-19, there's been Delta, there's been Omicron. All of these things are happening. How can you be so optimistic? But don't you get upset. You keep moving. You keep following Him. Because you're about to go somewhere you've never been before. Because you've seen the King of Glory paint His blueprint of your life on the inside of you. You see, the star pointed to something bigger and better than themselves. And when they asked the question, where is he? There were no immediate answers. There were no kindred hearts awaiting them to give them the information. And this Christmas, you may find yourself face to face with obstacles and unforeseen circumstances that want to steal your joy. But don't you be stopped. Resolve in your heart that you have come to worship Him. And worship Him, you will. Oh, come on, raise your hands and let's just worship Him. King of glory, we worship you this morning. We invite you to manifest yourself in our midst today. Hallelujah. Now notice with me in verse 3. It says, When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Verse 4, And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, For thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art now the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Of course, then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, he inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, and he said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. Yeah, right. And so this star appeared, and they came, and they said, Where is the star? For a little brief period of time, the star must have disappeared. But I want you to notice in verse 9... From the Passion Translation, and would you be so kind as to read with me? Ready, read. And so they left, and on their way to Bethlehem, suddenly the same star they had seen in the east reappeared. Amazed, they watched as it went ahead of them and stopped directly over the place where the child was. The star of hope appeared 
when they needed it the most. And when that star reappeared, don't you know, their expectancy was renewed. And they got stronger in their resolve. I knew we were on the right path. I knew we were going to make it. Look, there's the star. And it went right over where the young child was. And many times we have to deal with the spirit of despondency that would try to come upon us. Hopelessness, disappointment, discouragement. These are real deals. But they don't come from God. It comes from the spirit of this world. It comes from the enemy. The Bible says that hope deferred, it makes the heart sick. One translation says that hope deferred, it makes the heart to stoop. Folks, if you're down on the inside, you'll be down on the outside. And so it's vital for us to cultivate through the scriptures which give us hope. And keeps our hopes alive to cultivate your inner man by feeding on manna from heaven, by reminding yourself of what God has done in the past and what he's about to do in the here and now. To remind yourself of the visions that he's given you in the past and you've seen the manifestations. Great is his faithfulness. It's a good reminder. And I believe the Lord gave me this thought the other day as I was meditating on this message. And that is this. Many of my people have lost hope and vision. But I want to restore their hope. I want to rejuvenate their soul. You know what rejuvenate means? It's how you feel when you get up in the morning and you've had a great night's sleep. Sometimes I'll ask Brenda, how'd you sleep? She said, okay. Other times, oh, I slept great. She's rejuvenated. She's ready to put some biscuits and gravy on the table. (laughs) Hallelujah. Rejuvenation. Folks, our souls need rejuvenation. He restores our soul. He lifts our head. And the word of the Lord is perfect. Converting and rejuvenating the mind the will, and the emotions. So I believe this came to me in a time of prayer. I want to restore their hope. I want to rejuvenate their souls. I want to refresh their spirits. And I want to bring a sense of expectancy and joy for their future. Say it right now, I receive that. I believe that with all of my heart. And I receive rejuvenation in my soul, refreshment in my spirit, and a reigniting of expectancy and joy for my future. Folks, just keep moving. Don't quit. Keep walking by faith and not by sight. Keep walking in the love of God.
Keep walking in the Spirit so you don't give place to the works of the flesh. Just keep doing what you know to do and don't quit. But somebody says, yes, but my body is hurting. But my soul is down. Well, I've got good news for you. Your soul can be anchored with hope and it can cause your hopes to be kept alive. In Hebrews, the sixth chapter, and we look at verse 16, it says, For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them the end of all strife. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise, say it with me, I'm an heir of promise. The immutability, in other words, the unchangeableness of his counsel. He confirmed it by an oath. He swore it in blood. Verse 18, read it with me. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. Pay particular attention to that. I am laying hold of the hope that is set before me. Say it with me. I'm laying hold of the hope that is set before me. Now notice what this hope is in verse 19. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, of the mind. Both sure and steadfast and which entereth in that within the veil now an anchor is something in our lives that will cause us not to slip or slide or drag when our soul is anchored in our blood covenant with the lord jesus christ it enables our lives to be unshakable, to be unmovable, to be strong, to be steadfast, to face life's challenges with the sense, I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. Now notice with me, this hope, the scripture says, it enters into the holy of holies. In other words, it enters into the mercy seat where the blood of Jesus has been applied. Hope is not a small thing. You mix hope with the mercy seat and attach it to what the blood of Jesus has done for us. Oh man, you're well on your way to a great life. Oh, praise God. Now notice with me in verse 18 of the Passion Translation says... And so it is impossible for God to lie. Aren't you glad? You know, he's not a man that he should lie. All the promises of God are yes and amen. So when we see a promise, what we say, yeah, that's mine. And then we say, amen, which means so be it. It's like what Mary said, be it unto me according to your word. There's a lot of things out there that doesn't look like it's unto you. But when you get into the word, you can declare, be it unto me. Say it, be it unto me according to the word of God. So we see here 
it's impossible for God to lie. For we know that his promise and his vow will never change. And now what we have done is we have run into his heart to hide ourselves in his faithfulness. Read the rest with me. This is where we find his strength and comfort. For he has empowered us to seize what has already been established ahead of time. Glory to God. That's where you find your strength. That's where you find your hope. For he empowers you. He not only made it available for you, but he empowers you to lay hold of it. Like the last verse we looked at. Lay hold of the hope that is set before you. Now notice the rest of the verse. An unshakable hope. What kind of hope do you have? You have an unshakable hope. Now there are things that are coming to come along and try to shake our hope. But when you stand on your blood covenant, you become not only unshakable, but you become untouchable. I believe I'm looking at a congregation full of unshakable, untouchable, spirit-filled, Holy Ghost Christians. Amen? I mean, we could break out with MC Ammer. Can't touch this. You see, when we set our love upon him, the wicked one touches us not. When we get a revelation and an understanding of how much God loves us as we sang today, oh, glory to God, it will dispel fear. It will turn fear completely out of doors. It'll put fear on the run. Oh, hallelujah. I have an unshakable hope. This is where I find strength. When my heart is hooked to Him, and when my heart is hooked to the mercy seat. Amen. Glory to God. Now notice with me. This is where we find strength, for He empowers us to seize what He has already established ahead of time, an unshakable hope. Now read verse 19 with me. Ready? Read. We have this certain hope, like a strong, unbreakable anchor, holding our souls to God Himself, Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat in the heavenly realm beyond the sacred threshold. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And then in verse 20, he says, And where Jesus, who is our forerunner, has gone before us, he is now and forever our royal high priest. Jesus went before us. Jesus went before us. And who for the joy that was set before him, he endured some things for our behalf. And so what we are to do is we are to consider him. Well, someone says, how do I consider him? Consider him in his word. Consider him in his works here on the earth. Consider him in his death and his burial and his resurrection. Considering Jesus will keep your hopes activated. When you keep your eyes on Him and off of the things that of this world, oh, hallelujah, your hopes will get stronger and stronger as the days go by. 
Somebody said, well, what is hope? Well, hope is a cheerful, confident expectation that God's goodness is going to prevail. I know it looks bad. I know what the doctors have said, but God is still good. I know it may not look so good over here and so good over there, but I've got my eyes off of those things and I've got my eyes on him. And I'm declaring that his goodness is going to prevail in this situation. I'm declaring that his goodness is going to prevail in my loved ones. I know it doesn't look good. One of my loved ones is over here and one of my loved ones is over there. They've gotten off the path, but I'm taking my authority over the powers of darkness and I'm declaring the goodness of God is going to prevail in their lives. We are going to see his goodness show up. I'm expecting it. I'm believing it. I'm declaring it. I'm not losing hope. I'm not going to yield to despondency. I'm going to yield to the God of hope. Hallelujah. And this, my friends, is how you fight. This is how you fight the good fight of faith. You don't necessarily fight the devil. The devil's already whipped. But what you do in fighting the good fight of faith is you enforce his defeat and you keep him under your feet. You keep him out of your body. You got to keep him out of your mind. You got to keep him out of your family. You got to keep him out of your finances. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto you have been called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. I think sometimes we're over familiar with what the world says and what the doctors say and we're not familiar with what God said. I think we need to displace those lies with the truth. And as we displace those lies with the truth, Jesus said, the truth will make you free. And if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. One translation says, you shall be unquestionably free. Woo, glory to God. And so this hope, which is attached to the mercy seat, where the blood has been applied, it endures in your life. It endures in my life. We're not going to let it go. We're just going to put our anchor down. I said, we're going to put our anchor down. The USS Midway down in San Diego. Someone did a tour of it. It was an aircraft carrier and two aircraft could take off at the same time. And the person did a tour and went into a room and said, what's this room? And said, it's the anchor room. And he looked at these great big huge spools and these great big chain links. And they said, one link on the chain, I think it weighs, I don't know how many pounds, 130 pounds per link. And the anchor itself, listen to this, weighed 40,000 pounds. And so when a storm would come, or when they need to anchor, they would let down the anchor. And everyone of those 4,000 people on that aircraft carrier knew that the anchor was being let down. Because there was a vibration that would take place. They were very aware that the anchor has been let down. And some of us need to let our anchor down in our family. 
when we let our anchor down, when hell would come against the Thomas family, the whole family knew that Pastor Mark and Brenda, mom and dad, they're letting their anchor down. Things begin to vibrate. Things begin to shake. Hell began to tremble. So some of us today, we need to let our anchor down. We need to get our hopes alive. We don't need to be wishy-washy, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. We do not need to be moved by the storms of life. We need to be just like Jesus, rising up, saying, peace be still. Whoo, glory to God. Somebody shout with me today. Oh, glory to God. Whoo, hallelujah. And so you have this hope. It's like a strong unbreakable anchor and it'll hold your soul to God himself when everybody around you is going cuckoo and losing their soul and losing their mind you're steadfast you're strong you got a sound mind you got the mind of the anointed one hallelujah our hope is not of this world Our hope is attached to the heavenly realm. Folks, there is nothing here on this earth that our hope should be attached to. There is nothing in this world that's secure enough to hold you. But if you'll maintain a disposition of expectancy, if you just keep doing the right things and not yield to despondency. One person said this, there's no hope, there's no medicine like hope, no incentive so great and no tonic so powerful as expectation of something better tomorrow. Better tomorrow. Where there is hope today, there is strength Where there's hope for tomorrow, there is strength for today. Thank God. John Maxwell said this. He said, if there's hope in the future, there's power in the present. When you and I have hope, we have the ability to push through present problems. Put your hope on God. The wise men had hope. They could have given up. They could have done an about face and sent their camels back to Iran. But they kept going. They kept moving. And we must keep moving and keep praising when we may not feel like praising. We must be faithful in an unfaithful generation the faithful shall abound with the blessings of God look over at uh, Psalms and notice with me in verse chapter 43 and verse 5 David faced a lot of trouble did he not how many of you know that Paul knew some things about some storms but Paul made it all the way to Rome Notice this, 
David is having a conversation with his soul, with his mind. Is it good to talk to your soul? I guarantee you there's other forces talking to your soul. But you're the deciding witness. On one hand, there's the lies. On the other hand, there's the truth. I'm siding in with the truth. And so David is, is, is saying, Soul, why are you so despondent? Why are you so cast down? What's, what's happening? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. We need to command our soul around. And then he said, For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. What are you saying to me today, Pastor Mark? I'm saying that praising him is a great way to put your hope in God and put your anchor down. One translation says, expect God to act. Praise Him. Worship Him. Honor Him. And so shall your life be filled with the presence of Jehovah. And so shall the very atmosphere around you shift and change as you praise Him. As you worship Him from the rising of the sun till the going down of the same, you will see your life changed by my glory. For my glory is the only thing that will change you and bring you to a higher degree of glory. It is the plan of God for all of my children to go from one degree of glory to the next. Hallelujah. That means we're going up higher. We're not going to stay the same. We're not going to say the same old things we used to say. We're going to have a rebirth of our new birth and communicate the gospel and declare it boldly over our lives. Speak to your soul. Speak to your mind. I say all the time, my mind is amazing. My mind is my mind. As long as I am alive, my mind will never fail me nor forsake me. My memory is blessed. I have the mind of Christ. Don't give the devil any place in your life by thinking about or speaking about anything other than you have the mind of Christ. I have a sound mind. Say that with me. I have, I have a sound mind. Sound. My, memory My memory is blessed. Is blessed. He, has he has made me of a quick, of a quick understanding. understanding. 
Do you really believe that? I believe that with all my heart. Do you believe it? Well, if you believe it, you need to say it. And then add your actions to what you believe and what you say. And as you act on the Word of God, the Scripture said you should be blessed in your doing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. So David, he's having a conversation with his soul. He's talking to his mind. He says, what's up there? You know, if they had mirrors, I can just about picture David looking in the mirror in the morning saying, what up? Don't you look down when I'm talking to you. And we need to be very bold. Not only about our mind, but we need to be very bold about our bodies. Because how many of you know your body is not saved? Your body will not only eat, want to eat one slice of pie, it'll want to eat the whole pie and go to Sprouts and get another one. That's why he said, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. I think we need to talk to our souls. We need to talk to our bodies. And for heaven's sake, we need to talk to our bills. You're either talking to your bills or your bills are talking to you. Somebody said, I've never heard of such a thing. Talk to your bills. What would you say to your bills? I'll tell you what you would say. I call you paid in full. I call you debt free in the name of Jesus. When I drove on the property today, when when our car entered into the property, I said, I'm thanking God. I'm calling this property paid in full in the name of Jesus. What are you doing? I'm calling the things that be not as though they were. What for? Because that is the way that God intends for his sons and his daughters to live. He has called us to be imitators of God as dear children. If he calls those things that be not as though they were, you can call those things that be not as though they were. Somebody said, how long do I need to do that for? Until they are. This is fighting the good fight of faith. This is keeping your hope alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's pull verse 5 back up there. In Psalms 30, 43, he said, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him. I will yet praise Him. You know, you may not feel like it right now. You may not even feel it, but I think it's time to take about a 10-second praise break. Glory. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Glory to God. That's right. Amen. Glory, glory, glory. Woo, hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory. (laughs) Oh, we praise you, Lord. Come on, somebody let your anchor down today. (coughs) Hallelujah. Glory to God. Things are starting to shake. Things are starting to vibrate. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. 
I remember being in Nigeria a few years back. You talk about a praising bunch. Ho! I almost said holy smoke. But it's like holy glory. We walked into that auditorium on that Friday night and they just didn't care what their neighbor thought. They didn't care. You know, it's good to let your neighbor know that they look good. Your hair looks good. Your dress is pretty. Oh, those are nice new skinny jeans or whatever the case may be. (laughs) It's good to be kind. But when the unction hits and the anointing hits, we need to leave all that behind and say, excuse me, neighbor, but I just got to. I, I got to get my praise out. I got to worship me some God. Excuse me if I dance. Excuse me if I shout. But I'm not shouting to you and I'm not dancing for you. I'm dancing before the Lord with all of my might. Amen. Well, somebody says that's fine for you, but I'm reserved. God will take the reserved out of you. Well, I'm an introvert. I understand that. That's great. That's wonderful. But when it comes to the Spirit of God, we're all one. And we're to be in one accord. Some may shout. Some may dance. Some may kneel. Some may raise their hands. But the important thing is this, is get your heart active. Get your heart active. Attach your heart to the God and the Father of all spirits. Attach your praise to Him. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you another chance to get your anchor down. Stick with me a few minutes. (laughs) Of all the forces that make for a better world, none is so indispensable, none is so powerful as hope. Without hope, men are only half alive. But with hope, they dream and they think and they work. In the world, hope quickly runs out. But thank God, there's hope in the Word of God. Back to Matthew chapter 2. And so the star continued to guide them. Remember the star? It said in verse 10 and 11, And when they saw the star, they were real casual about it. So I knew it was going to happen sooner or later. Let's go to McDonald's. No. When they saw the star, they, what did they do? They what? With what? Exceeding. Is it possible to rejoice? Is it possible to rejoice with exceeding great joy? So this is what was happening. Now notice with me. 
In verse 11, and when they were come into the house, this was probably months after the master was born. He was a young child by then. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down. What did they do? They worshiped him. So we see two things, worship and rejoicing. And when they had opened their treasures... They presented unto him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Very significant gifts, which we won't go into today. But what I want you to see is they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. In this Christmas, don't let yourself become so stuffy that you quench the joy of the Lord to sweep over your soul. Look to and rely on the Holy Spirit. How many of you know the Holy Spirit is in you at the new birth? He dwells in you. And he comes alongside us in our life to help us, to comfort us, to counsel us, to strengthen us, to teach us, to empower us. And so when we look to the Holy Spirit, he will help us to rejoice. Notice in Romans 15, in verse 13, I'm going to look at this from the Passion Translation. This is my prayer for you, and this is my prayer for myself, our family, the family of God, all of our ministry friends. Now may the God, the inspiration, and the fountain of hope, I like that, the fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with what kind of joy? In other words, joy that just can't be contained. Joy that needs to be expressed. Joy that needs to be let out. He's the fountain of hope. He will fill us to overflowing with uncontainable joy. But not only that, He will give us perfect peace as we trust in Him. Now let's read the rest of the verse. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with His superabundance until you radiate. Radiate. So full. Not containing joy. To where you are just, you're radiating with hope. I mean, you're just, you're vibrating. The anchor's down. You're radiating with it. And people around you can feel that. People around you can sense that. People around you know that this is not fake. This is really real. This person really, really loves Jesus. This person really, really is filled with all the fullness of God. 
When you are radiating with hope, it will be transmitted to other people. I think one of the things that our church is known for throughout the years, and we're in our 40th year now, in June we're going to celebrate like we never celebrated before. 40 years. To Him be the glory. But when you are radiating with hope, it's, it's, gonna, it's transmittable. People will feel it. And one of the things that I believe our church is known for not only for the spirit of faith, but I believe that this is a house of hope. We want to spend the rest of our lives encouraging God's people. We want to spend the rest of our lives imparting divine wisdom, imparting supernatural divine hope to the people of God. I can't do that apart from Him. I can only do it in Him and through Him. And so when you come to this place, and when you leave this service, you ought to be better than you were when you first walked in. You ought to be encouraged. You ought to know that God has given you something to chew on and something to feed on for the rest of the week. I said it earlier, I'll say it again. Smith Wigglesworth said this, You'll never be ordinary again the day you get filled with the Holy Ghost. And I don't want to try to work anything up because you don't look work upable today. And it's wrong to try to work a crowd into a lather. Because praise and worship and joy need to be authentic. But one thing I've learned about praise and worship and joy, most of the time, it's a step of faith. And you've got you've to step out of your, the realm of reasoning and step over into the, to the realm of the Spirit. And it may just sound like this at first, praise you, praise you. But something on the inside of you can happen. There can be an explosion, an overflowing, a filling with the God kind of hope. Hallelujah. To where you begin to radiate with joy. And your joy becomes uncontainable. Hallelujah. So who let down the anchor with me just for a few moments right now? Come on. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. <clears throat> Some of you might be too young to remember this, but Muhammad Ali faced a gentleman by the name of George Foreman. George Foreman had never been knocked down, never been knocked out. I don't think he'd ever lost a boxing match. And Ollie, you know, man, he, whew, he could float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. He'd get up against that rope and he'd do the old rope-a-dope. Kind of looked like Weekend at Bernie's, you know. But he would, you know, they would throw their very best at him until the opponent would just flat get tired. 
And Ali said to George, George, is that all you got? <clears throat> and that's the and then he punched him out and knocked him down, knocked him out. And that's the attitude we've got to have. Yeah, all right, devil, is that all you got? Is that is that your best? I just want you to know if that's all you got, I'm not quitting. I'm still expecting. I'm still rejoicing. I'm not giving up. I've let my anchor down. Glory to God. William Barclay said this. He said, the Holy Spirit helps us greatly. I love this quote. He says, he helps in a situation which a man by himself would collapse. But the power of the Holy Spirit helps you past the breaking point and not break. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is your helper. And he will bring you beyond nervous breakdowns. He will bring you beyond collapsing. He will, oh, Shahanamakaya. He will take you beyond the breaking point, glory to God, to a land of breakthrough. Somebody shout amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Well, we're doing better than 3.30 in the afternoon. In Philippians 2.15, this is my final thought. Hope in your life that radiates means help for others. In Philippians 2.15 in the Amplified, it says that you may show yourself to be blameless, guileless, innocent, uncontaminated children of God without blemish, faultless, read on, unrebukable, in the midst of a crooked and wicked generation, spiritually perverted and perverse, among whom you are seen as bright lights. Notice the rest. Stars or beacons shining out clearly in a dark world. When God does something for you, it gives you hope. But the people around you are seeing it. And you can introduce them to the God of hope. Say with me, in a dark world, I can be a star of hope to other people. And I rest my case, Merry Christmas. That is my Christmas message, to God be the glory. Hallelujah. Glory to God.